And so anyway, we wanted to start making some money. We were always afraid of um, charging more fees, owners being turned off because of the fact that we were charging too many fees. Um, so we stuck to like the big three. We were primarily just charging renewal fees, leasing fees, and management fees. Um, <clears throat> and that's kind of what we lived on. So we always stayed kind of just barely profitable. I mean, we made money, we made decent money. We were able to, you know, my business partner and I were able to acquire some um, different assets for ourselves. We've always been able to invest in our company and our growth strategy, um, but never had a huge amount of money that we made at the end of the year. Um, this last year was actually, well, back up two years ago. In COVID, we actually lost money, um, which was a little bit scary. I mean, if you add in the PPP loan, which we didn't include as income, we made, we were okay, we made money, but not, not much. Um, and last year was our best year yet. And we we're on track to basically kind of double what we made last year. Um, and the biggest thing that changed is we just stopped being afraid to charge fees. Um, you know, there's so many people out there in the industry um, that, that teach you about all the fees you can charge. Um, and, and everybody in our industry is so collaborative, so willing to help. It's just awesome. Um, you know, so we sat down and we made a list of the fees we thought were reasonable and what we wanted to charge. And we started charging more. And guess what? Not many people left. Um, you know, what we were afraid of, you know, losing current owners or losing current management contracts or not winning new ones just didn't happen. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting or meeting on Zoom the way that people meet these days, uh, my name is Andrew Smallwood, VP of Revenue at Second Nature. You've got Laura Mack here in the house, who uh, is, is my co-host in Triple Win Live. And we've got our special guest, Mike Krause from Atrium Management. There's Mike waving his hand. Some of you are friends of Mike, supporters of Mike. Some of you will soon to be friends of Mike Krause, probably. Uh, I haven't known anybody that spent an hour with Mike Krause that hasn't wanted to be friends with Mike Krause at the, at the end of that hour. So I think a lot of people are gonna really enjoy meeting Mike uh, over the course of today. Thanks for taking out some time out of your Wednesday. We really do not take it lightly that you're taking time out of your day as busy as everything is in property management to be here, uh, to invest in yourself, to, to get better and, um, and stack more and more triple wins. So I've got some housekeeping to cover here for everybody real quick before we introduce Mike and get going. Uh, the first thing is, Second Nature did something unprecedented. To our knowledge, there's never been a $10,000 cash giveaway just for professional property managers, not that we're aware of. Um, and uh, we decided, hey, rather than putting all that into Facebook and Google and different advertising platforms, we wanted to bring that back to the professional property management community. And so Second Nature released a really fun video. We're not gonna play it here. Uh, but we will drop in the Zoom chat. And if you're seeing this streamed on Facebook, it'll, you know, it, well, if you're on Facebook, you're probably seeing it by now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on Facebook or LinkedIn, wherever you're hanging out, you can go check out the newest video that the marketing team dropped on Monday. I want to give a special shout out to Carol Housel on this team, uh, Laura Mack, Alec Lower, uh, and Brandy Hammond, the entire marketing team. Uh, beyond them, David Shee, Brent, everybody that was involved in putting this together. Uh, thank you so much for putting us together. It's been a lot of fun to see, see, see this come to life and uh, everything happening. But there's three ways you can win in the contest. So one, you just watch the video. It's about so three minutes long. Uh, and then 
uh, you enter your email, your company email at the, the appropriate page and boom, you got a drawing right then and there. A uh, second way is you can like or comment or share on Facebook or on LinkedIn that post, you'll see a bunch of people have done that uh, and they've got more chances as a result. And uh, the final thing is if you're wanting to talk to Second Nature about your resident experience, about your resident benefits packages, you can book a time to talk to an RVP wizard, an expert on staff. It uh, doesn't mean you have to work with Second Nature, but if you're trying to learn more about those things and it's a good time for you to talk about those kind of things, you can schedule a short call with one of our team, uh, somebody on our team, and they can they can do that. You get an extra drawing in addition to that. So uh, with that said, we've got a lot of people who have gotten drawings the last few days. Congratulations. If not, there's stuff in the chat, but we're going to ask everybody who's here now uh, just to warm up your little chat fingers a little bit, you know, stretch them out, do what you need to do. And in the chat, we want to ask you if you won the $10,000 cash contest. And our goal is this is for a legendary team experience. Uh, for your team. You, you'll understand the word legendary if you see the video and the theme that it's playing into. Um, you know, we're curious, how would you spend the $10,000? How would you drop a $10,000 love bomb on your team and appreciation uh, experience for your team? Going to Disneyland. <laughs> oh man, the experience capital of the world potentially there. Uh, yes, Sam, that's great. People are going to love that in the video. Axe throwing and drinks. I love that. Slaying the dragon. Offsite team building vacation. Love that. Uh, oh, and Camelot, even better. Very cool. We'd love to see some more answers roll in. Uh, how you'd spend the 10K. Oh, a cruise. That's a good one, Claire. Um, I really like that. All right. Last thing I just want to share with you all is many of you have been to PMLX, Property Management Leadership Exchange. Uh, in the past years, it's the number one, really the premier online digital event for property managers. Hundreds of property managers have attended this in the past. It's the top rated um, you know, digital event uh, for the industry, which is great. And uh, we're making a, a slight change to that this year. There's some things that are going to be the same. It's, it, we're partnering with NARPUM at no cost. We're going to be uh, sponsoring and raising a lot of money for uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. It's the charity this year. So if there's any fans of Make-A-Wish out there. Uh, you can get excited about that. And we're going to have some amazing people involved. Of course, amazing people that you've met from across the country in this industry uh, over the last couple of years are going to be there. Uh, but we have a slight change to the name. Uh, and it's going to be TWLX, Triple Win Leadership Exchange. And so anyway, more info to come in about two weeks from now. You'll start hearing more about this. But you're hearing it here first uh, in August. We'll officially... Uh, we'll announce the dates in a couple of weeks, but it's going to be in, I believe, the third week of August uh, in more info to come. I saw a draft of the registration website. It's really coming together and looking, looking really great. So, okay. With that said, I think people have warmed up their chat fingers. Feel free to get your video on if you're a place where you can get your video on. And we'd love to see questions start to make their way in the chat. If you're not familiar with Triple Win Live, this is your first time here. We have a lot of people here for a second, third, fourth, fifth time, uh, your regulars. But if it's your first time here, Triple Win Live is a open format. We, we almost think of it kind of like a, a little more structured, a little more organized version of the lobby bar uh, at a conference event where professional property managers can ask questions of other professional property managers. They can have discussion. There can be follow-up questions. Second Nature is here to facilitate We've got a couple questions ourselves as members of this industry 
uh, for the people we're talking to. And so we just want to bring people who uh, bring great expertise, who have great stories, who've got just great people to meet and introduce you to them, some of our favorite people in the industry, uh, and, and for them to meet you, vice versa, and just exchange some value here today through some great conversations. So uh, it's a little more collaborative format uh, than you might typically find, and, and we're looking forward to a lot of great interaction today. For those of you who haven't met Mike Krauss, I'll do a, a totally insufficient introduction, but um, A, he's very well-dressed. You can see one of his signature jackets there, and uh, I often see him in formal attire uh, when he's there at the office, which is great, but Mike's got a signature smile, and man, those piercing eyes that uh, people, I'm going to keep complimenting his, his uh, physical features here. Let me get to probably what most people are here for, which is Mike and his partner, Adam, started Atrium Property Management just a few years ago. And they quickly went from a couple hundred units to um, you know, rapid ascent to well over 2,000 units, 2,500 units, I believe they're in the neighborhood of today, uh, and are going to be finishing the year over 3,000. Is it even 4,000 units? It sounds like, Mike, you guys might be on track for it. That's the goal. We are, uh, we, our goal is to double up in 2024, or 2022. Cool. So <laughs> not, not two what? years from now, it's this year. Double what year up. is it? That's right. So doubling in 2022 and start of the year, a little over 2,000 units, right? And so 4,000 by the end of the year. And it sounds like you guys are tracking for that. You've, you've added hundreds of units this year, which is cool. Um, so we're going to get into that. But another thing you'll learn about MicroCover today uh, while leaving a lot of time open is they have a really cool team culture. They've got strong values and they do some kind of unique things to really engage some great talent. Uh, and they really stand on the people that they have on their team as an important part of what makes them different, uh, you know, and a reason that people choose to work with them. So great team, great talent. We're going to talk about that talent strategy, how they, you know, build their culture over at Atrium. And there's also been recently, just in the last couple of years, important shifts in profitability and strategies and approach for not just growing, but growing in a sustainable way and not growth at the cost of profitability, doing this in a way where, um, you know, the business is really healthy. And, uh, and making some decisions that really set them up for some exciting things long-term. So I know we, we chatted a little yesterday, Mike. I mean, we talked for like 10 minutes about this stuff I was just talking about. And I think 40 minutes we were talking about good times and just fun memories uh, <laughs> together on the road. And, and maybe we'll start with that. Just a, a, couple of, um, a couple of fun things. So I want to kick off, Mike, with... Um, just a couple of quick questions. Like one is what's a book you're reading right now or a favorite book uh, that you would recommend to other property managers? <clears throat> is it safe to say that everyone in the, in the room here would like to grow? Um, I have, so one of the things I got, I got a chance to attend um, the, at the time it was called FU2, Filter Easy University number two. Um, <clears throat> and it was a follow up to the, just the first one was FU. Um, Filtrazy University. Now they're second nature, but I got to attend their um, their sales training, and I heard a story. I heard a, a whole ton of stories about like gift giving and being memorable. And Andrew recommended a book for me, which I actually conveniently have sitting right here. This is right next to my desk called Giftology. Um, but <clears throat> that's not the book I'm going to recommend. Um, there's one that's very similar called Mr. Schmooze, um, and I think it kind of takes it to another level in terms of developing your relationships and, and kind of getting your foot in the door with people uh, through strategic gifting. Um, so <clears throat> that's one for, on the sales front that I would highly recommend. Uh, Andrew's got a book in the background called The, the Experience Economy. 
I believe is that right? Is that yeah. I can't get blurred out. That's right. Yeah, yeah blurred out. Um, but we were talking beforehand. If you want a book on great customer service, Customer Service Revolution is a book by John R. DeJulius III out of Cleveland, Ohio. Go Ohio. There's a Urban Meyer picture right there. Um, <clears throat> Regina, Regina's shaking her head. Um, <clears throat> it, it's a great book about customer service. Talks about the experience economy. Talks about how renters and you know pretty much anybody in the world today is looking for an experience, not just to purchase something. Um, good customer service is the basic, right? That's just expected nowadays. You got to take it above and beyond, and that's it. There, there's it's just a litany of stories of the companies that do that and do that well. <clears throat> so this that's that's the book. Those are the two books I recommend. All right. So now that we threw Mike the softball, I want to throw him a, a more a little more of a fastball, but just a fun way of getting started. And then I see some questions rolling in. I'm just buying all of you time to ask a couple of questions. That would be great uh, to bring bring up to Mike. Uh, Mike, can you tell us something? You've got friends on here, uh, but can you tell us something that people don't know about you or that people here wouldn't know about you? Yeah. So. Um... There are some people in Narvum on this uh, out there and in, in the property management industry that probably do know this. I don't see any, any of them on the call. Claire may have said it before from stage. Um, my nickname growing up was Cuddles because I love to cuddle. So I got it when I was like three from my babysitter who was like 13. So I like the older women, I guess. I'm not sure. Anyway, I've been, my mom still calls me Cuddles occasionally. And there's plenty of people that have me saved in their phone as that after uh, after I let them know that's my nickname. Don Ostovich has me saved in her phone as Cuddles. For no other reason than that's my nickname. I swear. Promise. <laughs> well, maybe we'll set a Guinness Book of World Records for uh, largest adult cuddle on Zoom. We'll see how this mm. thing ends. We'll see what happens. A little cuddle pump at the end. All right, Mike, um, here's where I want to get into. And, and I've got a couple questions of... You know, to me, it's very unique of how fast Atrium, just in a period of three years, you know, was able to go from a couple hundred units to thousands of units, right? Uh, just over a few years. And so um, could you talk a little bit about in those early days, a little bit of, you know, that story of being on that track? And if, could you tell the story in such a way that it illuminates some of the lessons early on of like what was really working that was creating, hey, we were adding doors and they weren't just going out the back door at the same time, like we were able to uh, effectively grow and scale the company. Yeah. Um, so, so basically we've gone from, we went from about 220 doors when we started in January of 2015 to Andrew's right. We're right around 2,500 doors today. Um, we actually started the year at 2,800 doors, but then we lost our biggest client. Um, and I think we'll get into that at some point on this. But um, so our goal is to double up this year to go from basically 2,000 to 4,000 in spite of losing our biggest client. So that's kind of where we're at today. Um, <clears throat> we built our company primarily through word of mouth and through referral marketing, um, relationships with brokers and relationships with real estate agents. Um, we have Every single dollar, which we spent very few, but every single dollar we've ever spent in traditional marketing, such as like Google, um, Google uh, AdWords has, has never panned out. I don't think we've gotten a single contract from Google AdWords over the year. Um, it works for some people, it did not work for us. Um, so we've just doubled down and focused on things like building relationships. 
Um, we sat down to just to give you some examples. Um, we sat down to kind of in one of the one of the earliest stories I have for this. I think I might have told you guys from stage at uh, broker owner a little while ago. Anyway, <clears throat> it was pretty early on in our business. I sat down to breakfast with a mortgage broker, and she's like, "You got to meet this guy, Joe Lafleur. He's got he sells every single small multifamily in, in Orlando. You got to talk to this guy." So I called. I left the meeting. I called my business partner Adam. I'm like, "We got to meet this guy, Joe Lafleur." He's like, "You're right." Sat down to lunch with Joe Lafleur. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a broker and I sell multifamily, but my brokers, my broker is a property manager, so I just send her all the deals that I get. I just send it to her. She'd be mad if I didn't." And, you know, we were like, well, we just want to be your number two or number three referral source. Like just tell, put our name on the list. If somebody says, I want to talk to a couple of property managers. Um, fast forward to Christmas time that year, we took him out to lunch again. We bought him a hundred. I found out he was a wino from his Instagram and we, we bought him a hundred dollar bottle of wine. Wouldn't you know it legitimately like two weeks later, we got our first referral from, and it was like a 12 unit deal. Um, we have probably, we've probably got about 500 doors through that relationship over the years. So I can't possibly give a gift that's big enough to outgive that, right? What would you pay for 500 doors? Um, it's unbelievable. So we've done some pretty cool stuff for him. We sent him to TPC Sawgrass, got him a, a special gift package with like a hat and a bag tag and all this stuff and, and sent him and his partner there. They went to add somebody to their, to their tea time. And it was like 600 bucks to add somebody to their tea time. So he calls me, he's like, what did you do? How much did you spend? He's like, this is the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. Um, so, you know, we try to come up with creative ways to really develop relationships uh, with, with people who can send, send us business. And honestly, people in general, we have owners that we've done that for, put somebody's name on the back of a Jersey and they were a Denver, Denver Broncos fan. Wouldn't you know it? Like, a couple months later, that lady's lawn died. Like the irrigation stopped working. And, you know, we were managing the property. Our landscaping company was managing the landscaping. And she called and she was really mad, but wasn't half as mad as she probably would have been if she didn't like us. You know what I mean? She probably would have been much madder if we hadn't sent her that jersey and just created some goodwill. So she knew we were good people. It was just something that happened. Um, so anyway, we've done a lot of that. We've built our business through word of mouth. And Pretty much from like 15 to 17 to 19, we were adding about 100 single family homes per year. Um, but right at that point, we kind of plateaued and, and it, um, it, get, it became like tough for us to keep up with the churn. Um, and we started entering into other markets and that's kind of how we've been able to do it since then. We have done some acquisitions. Um, Atrium itself was a 220 unit acquisition to start. We bought another company that was 220 units um, in 2017, 2019, we bought a 65 unit company, 2021, 94 unit company. And now in 2022, this year, we bought 175 unit company down in Lakeland. Um, so we have grown through acquisition over the years as well. Um, but most of it has been organic growth when you <clears throat> look at the total number of doors. You know, a couple of notes I took down there, Mike, were uh, I wrote down, you know, word of mouth referrals, doubling down on those relationships. Hey, tried some different legion strategies, Google ads, et cetera. Um, hey, that just didn't see that working. So double down on what was working relationships. I wrote down Joe LaFleur's name. What a cool story. Acquisitions and then also expanding to new markets. So you guys went from Orlando. I know you guys are in Gainesville. Uh, you mentioned Lakeland and, you know, so, some of these areas in, in central Florida, it sounds like, um, you know, to get where you are today. 
That's really cool. A couple of people were asking in the chat a little bit about your portfolio mix. You answered a little bit of, um, hey, you've been adding single family units as well as multifamily. Would you mind just giving a, a quick breakdown of what the atrium portfolio looks like? Yeah, so um, we have about a thousand single family homes um, and the rest are either multifamily or boutique multifamily. Um, our biggest client, the 800 unit client had about 300 multifamily units and 500 scattered site, you know, small boutique multifamily units went before he left. Um, so we were split about a third, a third, a third then. Now it's, you know, a little bit higher percentage of the single family stuff and, and about 1500 of the boutique multifamily and the, uh, the onsite multifamily, traditional multifamily. Thanks for laying that out. And yeah, you were alluding to this owner that was a uh, largest owner. And um, I thought it was interesting when we were talking, you, you, you mentioned a couple of years ago about how you guys were consistently growing, growing fast and expanding, um, but really kind of had a pretty simple, you know, revenue uh, model, like a, a couple of sources of revenue. And a couple of years ago, you guys kind of set on a path to, hey, we're going to change a little bit of how we do things. And it changed also how you thought about um, not all of our revenues the same, you know, not, not, not every owner is as valuable as the next. And could you talk a little bit about just what did you guys notice? What set you on that path? And tell a little bit about what you guys discovered and learned as you went, you went down that and what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've always, we've always been trying to grow as fast as possible. So we've never been super concerned about like our, you know, what our bottom line was, as long as we were growing and acquiring more units and, and growing our unit count, that was kind of our main focus. So anyway, we wanted to start making some money. We were always afraid of um, charging more fees, owners being turned off because of the fact that we were charging too many fees. Um, so we stuck to like the big three. We were primarily just charging renewal fees, leasing fees, and management fees. Um, <clears throat> and that's kind of what we lived on. So we always stayed kind of just barely profitable. I mean, we made money. We made decent money. We were able to, you know, my business partner and I were able to acquire some um, different assets for ourselves. We've always been able to invest in our company and our growth strategy, um, <clears throat> but never had a huge amount of money that we made at the end of the year. Um, this last year was actually, well, back up two years ago. In COVID, we actually lost money, um, which was a little bit scary. I mean, if you add in the PPP loan, which we didn't include as income, we, made, we were okay. We made money, but not, not much. Um, and last year was our best year yet. And we're on track to basically kind of double what we made last year. Um, and the biggest thing that changed is we just stopped being afraid to charge fees. Um, you know, there's so many people out there in the industry um, that, that teach you about all the fees you can charge. Um, and, and everybody in our industry is so collaborative and so willing to help. It's just awesome. Um, you know, so we sat down and we made a list of the fees we thought were reasonable and what we wanted to charge. And we started charging more. And guess what? Not many people left. Um, you know, what we were afraid of, you know, losing current owners or losing current management contracts or not winning new ones just didn't happen. Um, so the doors we were adding were more profitable. And then with charging new and creative fees on the doors that we had, um, <clears throat> you know, we were able to make more money. Honestly, I know Andrew doesn't really want me to plug um, second nature, but that, that's a revenue stream that just didn't exist for us a few years ago. Um, I think we were trying to onboard back in like 2019 and they'll tell you, we were like the slowest company to onboard in the history of second nature. It was terrible. And primarily because I was the one who was driving it. And that's just not my skill set to 
integrate or implement new things. Um, so we stuck somebody on my team who's really good at that stuff. We started tracking it and, you know, all of a sudden we became, we started making a ton of money from it. And I think from RBP this year, um, we stand, and I don't know the exact numbers, but we stand to make a ton of money from RBP. I can do some quick math for you, but basically um, <clears throat> if we get to what our goal is, we should make somewhere in the neighborhood of about $400,000 from RBP. Um, so pretty exciting stuff. That alone, if we just added that revenue on the on top of everything else, would have been our best year yet. <laughs> so in terms of like, if that was just all net profit right there, that would have been our best year outside of this year now. So um, you know, adding those fees, adding those ancillary services that add value um, are just a tremendous thing. Um, you know, the customer service experience is so important today. Um, and for residents that are willing to pay for that, they're willing to pay for a better experience. So they don't have to go shopping for an air filter. So they don't have to worry about pest control and paying for that if they have pests and um, all those different things that you can roll into the resident benefit package. Um, it's, it's truly, and, and then honestly, just making the money off of it. It's truly a triple win when you get into that uh that that uh, that realm and those extra ancillary services. Hey, Mike, it sounds like uh, the bottom line is looking good at Atrium, but if ever something wasn't to work out, I think we got a W-2 for you at Second Nature. You <laughs> you hit all the talking points there, man, on RVP. That's funny. Um, oh, gosh. Well, listen, um, I appreciate you sharing that. We've got some people we want to bring up who have questions. Uh, Rich Drake, we're going to come to you first. Uh, so we've got another strong operator out of Houston. I had a question about your uh, comment. You called it uh, boutique multifamily. Is that just kind of like the little eight and 12 little houses together or little little row houses or little eight plexes and such? Is that kind of what you mean by that? Yeah, eight plexes, 12 plexes. I mean, anything that doesn't have on-site management, we call boutique because we charge a different management fee structure. Typically with traditional multifamily where they have like a property manager on the property, you charge just a flat management fee. And there might be some other little fees that you tack on top and some things you get reimbursed for, but it's pretty flat. Um, and then the, the property pays that manager salary or those employee salaries that are on site. With boutique, the fees are much higher. They're much more like traditional single family. Um, so we keep them separate. We would be more likely to lump boutique in with single family than we would multifamily. So where do you draw the line on when you decide on-site is financially viable versus uh, go with off-site? It's a good question. Every deal is different. It kind of depends on how much rent you're charging. Um, we've gone, we've managed up to 65 units with on with with uh, off-site management. Yeah, and we tell a customer 50 to 75 is about the number and anything over that. We we turn that business down. We just aren't set up to do it. it it'd be interesting to learn that side and and try to be able to do that as well. Yeah, happy to chat more about it. Absolutely. I've been blessed to have good friends and mentors in the industry that have helped me cut years off of our our uh, you know our journey here. So I'm always glad and happy to talk more and give back. Great. We had another question. We'll, we'll bring Regina up. And while we're bringing Regina up, and I think some of these questions, Mike, are about your staff makeup. And I saw Blake ask a question. I'm going to help him with his because I think it's quick. Um, can you do a quick breakdown of employees versus contractors of your team? And then Regina, do you want to layer your question into that? Yeah. So my question was when you guys started and you said, obviously, Atrium isn't how you started because you acquired that one. 
But what was your team like? like how many people with that 220 some odd versus now? Like actually, and that kind of works into what Andrew is asking, I guess, as well. Yeah. So when we first started, um, we kept the um, kind of the, the lady who worked at the front desk, our administrator. Um, she was uh, she was employee number one. She started like five years before Adam and I did. Um, so she stayed on with us, still with us today. We had another property manager, and then we had Adam and me. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't very efficient, um, just because Adam and me were you know, playing all kinds of roles, um, trying to, trying to add doors, trying to learn the business. We, I came from multifamily and Adam came from banking. Um, so, um, I, you could probably run it with three fairly easily. That's what they did before. I say fairly easily, not, not as you're me, fairly easily for people who can, uh, multitask and do most of the functions of property management. That was not my skill set. Um, so we needed more people. Um, I would say we, we, we started our company running it like uh, departmentally. So everybody on the team had different tasks that they were, their responsibility was. That kind of broke down at about 500 doors for us, 600 doors. Um, and we, we broke out and made small teams of three. Um, so basically what was happening is we had a team of like nine to manage five or 600 doors. Um, and the owner would call the office and, and they'd be like, you know, I want to talk about my statement. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. We're going to put on clarity on the phone. And then, you know, they got a question about the work order that was on the statement. And they're like, oh, I got to get a hold of the maintenance person. Let me put you on the phone with Carrie. And so it was just owners never knew who to call. Um, and so we broke it down and we learned this from Dodson property management, but we basically broke it down into teams of three where it had a team leader um, that we call an asset manager or a senior property manager, a property manager who focuses on the maintenance of the property, so work orders and turns, and then a leasing specialist who focuses on leasing the homes and uh, the marketing efforts and that kind of thing. So that way, if an owner calls and the leasing agent's you know, busy, the asset manager should be able to talk about what's been going on in the leasing of that property. You know, If the property manager is busy, the asset manager should be able to talk about what's going on with the work order. And if the asset manager is busy, the property manager or the leasing agent should be able to help that owner with whatever the call is that they're, they're asking about. <clears throat> so it was basically how the company ran before um, with just uh, the old owners and the admin. Um, we just broke it up into teams of three and, and we found they can manage from about 200 to 300 uh, single family homes and up to about 400, 450 on the, uh, the boutique multifamily before it kind of starts to break down. Um, we've since added an ITM, as we call them, international team members, VAs, whatever you want to call them. Um, we've added one of those to each team as well. Um, and ours are all based out of Mexico with one out of Spain. So what would be my second part of that was what would be the first person you need if you're chasing growth? What position is that besides business development? I mean, obviously, the, you need that one. So that's a great first position, <clears throat> obviously, business development. Um, I mean, for us, we started adding, we started adding markets, right? So, you know, you might have 60 doors in a market and you add a, a person for that and they're, they're kind of their own pod until they can build it out. So we've gone from zero doors in Tampa two years ago to now we have about 600 doors in Tampa. Um, that's all been through broker, broker relationships with small multifamily brokers, personal acquisitions. And then we bought a company that was $175 down, down in that area also. Um, you know, and, and that came through a NARPM relationship, just a friendship through the industry. Um, so 
Um, starting a new market is also a decent way, as long as it's within driving distance and you can manage it remotely is an, another decent way to, to kind of increase your footprint and grow organically. Um, <clears throat> so to, uh, our company size now, we have about 50 employees, um, seven are ITMs. Um, out of the 43, I, I want to say 12 or 13 are on-site multifamily. Um, and then the rest are, you know, either admin or what we call pod team uh, members. Um, we break, broke them up into teams of the, the three plus the ITM, so teams of four, and we call those a pod. There's a, um, for anyone, by the way, who wants, we have a, there's a good podcast episode we did with Phil Vera on the pod system and a kind of a deep breakdown of, you know, structuring that pretty similar, Mike, to what you were talking about there. But one thing I'm curious about is, if you think about those 40 employees, roughly, I think you mentioned like currently plus some uh, ITMs, does that support 2,500 doors? And hey, when you're at 3,000, you're going to need something very different. Um, or is that going to support you to a certain point? Uh, and then you're going to have to add more people. How are you guys thinking about that? That's a great question. Um, I think that the core of that um, takes us to much more doors than we have right now. Like, I don't think we're, we don't need to add anybody on the corporate team to get to 4,000 where we want to be. Um, you know, we'll probably add some pod staff. If it's multifamily, we may not even have to do that. Um, you know, a, you know, if, if a big chunk of that is multifamily. Um, because we have some pods that are fairly small. We have nine pods now because of different markets. We have a pod in uh, Melbourne that's like 90 doors. We have a, a pod in Lake County that's like 65. Um, we have a pod out in Daytona that's like 65 also. So um, those have the ability to just grow without adding, you know, a significant number of uh, team members. Um, so uh, there is definitely some, some economies of scale um, as, you, as you grow and get bigger. Um, we, we had for, I think for $1,000, to put it into perspective, which was right before COVID, um, at the beginning of 2000. Uh, 20, we were at about a thousand doors. Um, I, I think at that point we had like 37 staff, 37 people on staff. So obviously the next 2000 took 13 extra. Um, so it's, yeah, there, there's definitely some scale there. Cool. I'm going to ask a couple, Jay Hartley, we can queue up next in just a minute. Uh, I'm going to ask a couple questions out of the chat that I think are quick, Mike, um, just for time's sake, I'm going to hit you with them here, but one question was, do you charge a specific fee for asset management in addition to property management? Or is that, you know, kind of brought together as a total management fee and, hey, you get an asset manager and a property manager as a part of that? Um, how, do you, how do you think about that and how do you ultimately uh, monetize that? So um, on multifamily, we do. Uh, we have um, a part of our company called Atrium Capital Group. Um, and that is kind of responsible for our acquisitions and development. Um, and Atrium Capital Group will oversee the asset and charge an asset management fee on top of the property management fee. Um, some groups, some third party that we third party manage for have their own asset manager. So we don't get to utilize that um, with them. Um, but yeah, we do. It's typically just a flat fee of a flat percentage fee. Sorry. Cool. Jay, good to see you, my friend. Hope things are well in Texas. Okay, real quick. We've got several boutique multifamily, uh, primarily single family, but we've added a uh, couple of on-site 
uh, multifamily properties here recently. And one of the one of the transition stumbling blocks, I guess, if you will, has been that kind of shift to the RBB program where the maintenance guys were traditionally changing filters for the tenants. Uh, you know, all the traditional goodies were already kind of there, I guess, if you will, online access, so forth. Plus, they're used to being able to go down to the the manager's office, pay rent, request maintenance, that kind of stuff. Can you kind of touch on what that looked like for you guys when you were transitioning uh, your larger multifamily to the program? So um, just full disclosure, Jay, we actually don't use, and I'm sure Andrew's cringing here, we don't use RVP on our on our uh, on-site staff multifamily. We do use it on our boutique multifamily, um, and those typically don't have on-site um, you know, service technicians and that kind of thing. So um, if you figure that out, you come find me. I'm going to keep your number around, Jay. Uh, we, we have- I blame Andrew for not stopping that question because he had to know. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, are, uh, we are getting ready to do uh, the preventive maintenance and the filter delivery um, on our big multifamily, um, but the full resident benefit package, we haven't, we haven't gone that, down that road. I see the renter's insurance as kind of like maybe a tie-in there yeah. for our larger yeah. multifamily to really kind of, you know, push that agenda, if you will, getting everybody on the program. The boutiques were easy. The houses were relatively easy. Well, we did the houses first, then the, uh, the boutiques, and that kind of just flowed together nicely. But the larger on-sites is where we're kind of struggling with right now. And I should qualify that too. Um, typically, on our larger on you know, with the on-site management, we don't actually see any benefit from ancillary fees because we just take a percentage of the uh, gross revenue or the gross receipts for the property. So there, there hasn't been a push for it primarily because we don't get the benefit. So why go to the ask? Sorry again, second nature. But that's that would be that would be. The big reason we haven't pushed, but um, if we were to work it into future contracts, that'd be a great idea. And you're exactly right. Pest control is another way that you can kind of easily put that in there. Um, you know, the the, the credit uh, reporting, the um, you know, the credit protection or the identity theft protection, all things that people want and um, would benefit from on that side that you could charge like a RBP light or something along those lines, right? Like two different levels. I'll jump in here real quick, Jay, and we can offline, we can connect you actually to a couple other clients who have done this that have mixed portfolios of large multifamily. And then they also have scattered sites, small multifamily and single family, and they are running RBPs on, they are running an RBP on all of the asset types, but how they do it is a little bit different based on the asset type. So there, there are nuances there to how it gets done, but um, I love that. Absolutely. There is opportunity there. We have customers who are doing that and, uh, and yeah, happy to connect you to them. Awesome. Thanks. Great question. Cool. All right. Um, Mike's like, oh, wait, maybe maybe I can make $450,000 instead of just, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an opportunity. Maybe Mike got his money worth today. Always learning. That's right. Uh, Mike, one thing I wanted to, uh, and we're going to bring Randy Huntley up. I think he's got a fun question, but I'm going to ask you one more serious question as we're bringing Randy up, which is, um, you know, you've talked about your team and the makeup of your team and the structure of your team and what's in your portfolio, et cetera. But I think it's important for people to hear. Um, like I remember when you were first rolling out RBP and one of the questions asked you, I'm like, Hey, what are things you can do now that you couldn't do before? 
And one of the things you mentioned was your team had this interest of like getting healthy and you like hired a personal trainer or something like that to come to the office. It, was, it sounded like a kind of a unique thing and a perk, especially for a small business to provide. And I know you guys have one like best place to work. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pride in the office, that kind of thing. I've seen some hilarious videos. Maybe we'll have time to show one at the end of just some fun. Like there's, you can tell there's a great bond. There's a great culture uh, at Atrium and, uh, and some great people there. Could you speak a little bit to what have been the keys as you've grown to really, um, you know, having a team that works well together? I know it's always challenging. There's challenging moments too, but it seems like you guys have done a great job on the whole. What would you share with people to that end? In terms of like creating culture and like creating a team environment. So Andrew's right too. Like part of what it boils down to is you have to make some money to be able to provide for your team. Like when we were, when we were first, um, you know, starting up at Atrium, our first year, I think we went to like Buca de Beppo for our holiday party, which is not, I'm not knocking anybody that took their team to Buca de Beppo, like at all. Um, but it's not the craziest group experience. Like everybody's been to like the second nature parties with the guys on the stilts with Tron outfits on and, like DJ waffles on the one and ones and twos like that, that is an experience in a party. Um, you have to have make some money to be able to do that. So charging some extra fees and, um, you know, has created the opportunity for us to do some cool things. We do have a personal trainer that comes to our office twice per week. Um, you know, we, we do all kinds of five K's together. Um, we believe a lot in, um, you know, working on yourself and starting with you. That's something I learned actually from, um, the Filter Easy University, I remember hearing Scott Stolberg talk to Tyler Williams about, you know, you got to focus on you first. And Tyler lost like 40 pounds and read like 50 books and he's crying his eyes out. And like, it's just so important to start with yourself. So we preached that. So we did two 5Ks in a week. We paid for everybody's entry fee um, because it was we just wanted to have fun um, and get healthy. Um, you know, we, we will pay for people's audibles. If they want to buy a book or we're reading a book as a team, we'll pay for it for everybody. That stuff's pretty minor. It doesn't cost a whole ton of money. Um, but our, our year end parties have definitely grown and we're getting smarter about that too. I just found out, um, from a, a good friend of mine that you can actually have your vendors sponsor those parties. Um, but round number, and I think this is way underestimated. I think we spent about 15 grand on our holiday party this year for our team. Um, we had a band there. We had, you know, it was all you could eat, all you could drink. Uber was taking people to and from the party um, for free. Um, and we had a blast. It was an experience. Um, so this year we're doing a theme. The whole year is a country theme. Um, it's double up in 2022, but um, we made a video with our team of the Fancy Like video. All our leadership team dancing to that Walker Hayes song, Fancy Like. We actually went to Applebee's. If Andrew lets me later, I can play the video. Um, it was it was a total blast, but it just creates camaraderie amongst the team. And to be honest, I didn't even come up with that. I was at Duke's office, and they had done a, uh, a boy band video at one NARPM event. And we interviewed six or seven of their staff members just trying to learn. And at least half of them, probably five out of six of them, mentioned the boy band video. They show it on their onboarding. Um, so we've now made three music videos. We, our big ass goal is 24K. So we remade the Bruno Mars 24K magic video. Last year, we had a Will Smith theme before we started smacking people around. And we, uh, we remade the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air video. 
Um, this year, we remade the Walker Hayes Fancy Like video. So every year it ties to our goal and our theme so that everybody can kind of have a unified vision of, of what we're trying to do that year. Um, and so anyway, um, that's, 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 that's some of the things you do, culture related. We, one of the big things we do too is we invest together. Um, so I'm sitting in a really crappy old office building right now because we have a nice um, office building right outside that we're renovating. Um, and we're going to build 27 townhomes on the land that this is sitting on right now. Uh, all of our team members were offered the opportunity to invest. And eight of them did put their own personal hard-earned money in. And one of those persons is our, our receptionist. And she's so excited to just own her desk at the front lobby of our new office building. Um, so it's kind of cool. There's a chance for you to kind of practice what you preach. All of us are in real estate. We all believe in it. We did it while we'd be in this. Um, so we give our, uh, our staff an opportunity to invest in almost every single acquisition that we do. Um, so it's kind of kind of cool and fun. We've had people make tons of money together um, and that'll bind you. Yeah, Mike, um, I'm, I'm searching through my email for the investment opportunity and I'm, I'm overlooking it, man. But uh, really cool that you do it for your team. I, I love that you're helping them get in the game. And uh, you know, we certainly believe it's second nature that uh, work can be fun, right? Work can be enjoyable. And when people are having fun and, play, you know, playful, their creativity comes out, it's positive, right? And it, it actually can lead to a much better work environment, great work results. Randy, you had a, a great question in the chat. Uh, you had a couple questions in the chat, uh, but one I saw more recently. You can just come off mute and ask Mike your questions. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking your time and, and helping us here. I had a question What's the significance of that channel lock pliers that's hanging on wall behind your right shoulder? Yeah, so that uh, right, right there, um, that was a gift. Um, we have we do an onboarding day for each of our new employees. Typically, it's every three to six months, depending on the need. Um, but it's a day and a half long training. We do a five star dinner at night where we take everybody out. We have a preset menu. It says our logo and has our, our slogan or our core focus on the menu. It's pre-programmed. There's like a champagne toast and wine glasses are never empty. It's super fun. Um, but after that onboarding class, I told I told the story about this channel lock and, and one of our employees made it for me. Um, but basically I, I got my start in property management in 2003. Um, so 19 years ago, I started out as a maintenance technician. Um, and the, I actually went in and interviewed for uh, the leasing position, and I asked the HR manager a hypothetical question about her husband, but it turned out she was a lesbian, so I did not get the leasing job. She called me back like a week later, and she said, hey, you didn't get the leasing job, but if you want to be a maintenance technician, you don't need any skills to do that. You can just come learn on the job, so you can come work for us as a maintenance tech, and I said, hired. So my first day on the job, my maintenance supervisor told me, today at lunch, go buy yourself a six-in-one screwdriver and a channel lock, and it'll do about 90% of your work orders. So those are the first two tools I bought when I got started in property management. Great story. Thanks. That makes you into a real person, not just a property management machine here. Yeah, it's, it was fun. I remember punching units and uh, getting my HVAC certification, and um, <clears throat> I became maintenance supervisor. And it comes full circle, Randy. I was I was a maintenance supervisor for a 64-unit community in uh, Bexley, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. Um, and recently, it came on the market. And that is exactly the type of property that we would buy, 64 units. So 
there was a shot for a minute there that I was going to be able to buy the building that I used to be the maintenance supervisor at. So it did, didn't happen. It was way overpriced. I actually called, it was managed by the company I used to work for still. And I called the president. I was like, hey, is there any way that you could like give me a deal? I'm like, and he's like, you want me to give you a deal after you stole all these employees? He's like, are you out of your mind? And so we had a bunch of people that I used to work with come to Atrium. Uh, anyway, it was a hilarious conversation and I did not get a deal. He's going to charge me like a premium. There's no way I was getting that property. Thank you. Andy, thanks for your questions. Yeah. Thanks for coming up. Um, Mike, we got to be careful, man. Too much Ohio and all, all of our Michigan Wolverines folks are going to like unsubscribe and leave and be like, oh, who do they bring on here? It's actually better for the whole group. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Laura, um, if there's any other questions we have, we can queue them up. I've got one more for Mike here before we we end with some rapid fire fire stuff. Um, so, Mike, you know something you guys something we talked about yesterday briefly was, you know, hey, word of mouth referrals relation. It's a huge part of what's built your business. But what are people saying about Atrium? Right. That's like, what's the reason to pick Atrium? What uh, what are they telling? Like, obviously you guys take care of people, you show them and make them feel special, probably gives them a lot of confidence and trust. They're going to treat anybody they introduce you to. Well, I'm sure that's part of it, but what are, you know, what are the things you guys really hang your hat on and really say, this is what we focus on doing extremely well, what we're known for, what our reputation is built on. Yeah. Um, until recently we had on our website that we were like on the forefront of technology and that was just a lie. Uh, so it's definitely not our tech. Um, I would say we are good at tech. We're good enough. Uh, typically, I mean, I told the end of this on the call, I like to learn from other people's experience. Like experience is a great teacher. Other people's experience is a lot less costly. So um, I just find people in the industry who've tried the softwares and ask them if it's good. And, um, you know, uh, it, it cuts a lot of time off your uh, trying out and vetting new softwares and, and different programs. Um, if I had to say one thing that sets us apart, it's our people. And I'm sure everybody out there says that. Um, but like what happens is our owners start relationships and they do trust and respect who is managing their property. Um, trust is one of the biggest things. Um, you know, so we're very transparent with our um, monthly reporting. They get copies of invoices loaded to their portal um, that match up with their owner statements. Um, you know, and, and so it just creates a trust factor and we're always going to do the right thing. One of our core values is integrity, do the right thing. And there's no amount of money that we could, that we could save by doing the wrong thing that would make it worth it. Um, so we've written $10,000 checks before to just do the right thing. Um, so, uh, that type of thing, that type of reputation and that type of trust that that creates with your owners and your clients, um, is, is really what matters most. We talk a lot about customer experience. Um, you know, when someone comes to pick up our key, their keys to come live on an atrium property in the lobby, we have up on the screen the name of that resident who's coming to pick up their keys. Welcome home. Um, you know, just trying to create um, an experience for customers that, that they want to continue to do business and want to promote us um, to anybody else. We've had a number of residents become owners um, and have us manage their properties. That's cool. And that's a sign of building a great experience and a great relationship with people. If they say, Hey, I'm ready to move on, uh, you know, to my, to my 
next stage in the housing cycle or where I want to go in the housing cycle, but I want to continue to work with you all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's definitely a statement to some of the things you're doing. That's cool. Mike, I'm going to hit you with a couple fast rapid fire ones. These should be fun uh, as a way of going. I did have one from Judy. I wanted to catch just, I'll cover quick um, before we do. Can you explain a little bit of like um, for your team, since you guys expanded to markets is who is local in market versus who is centralized or or remote? Like how, how does that, what are the kinds of things that, hey, you said we we need somebody in market for that versus that can be done from a couple hours away or yeah. even time zones away? We're probably a little more traditional than most in that regard. We still have like leasing um, coordinators that do like actual onsite leasing. We still have maintenance professionals that go and do their own inspections. Um, so w- any property management function for the most part, um, leasing, um, work orders, turns, um, you know, inspections, um, that those people are local. Um, even our asset managers, the senior property managers are all local. Um, they manage the team members who are gonna be doing those property management functions. Accounting centralized, obviously all of our ITMs that support the PGs are um, in Mexico or overseas. Um, <clears throat> At admin, HR, we call animal control, uh, our A team, as we call it, that's admin, animal control, um, accounting, asset management, that's all uh, central in, in Orlando here. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, and, and earlier we figured out uh, if Mike won $10,000, what would he do with it? He'd put $5,000 on top of it and that would fund their, uh, you know... <laughs> Some other team parties. You got a lot of people on the team, man. So I I heard a story about a larger property management company that spent $1 million on their retreat for all of their managers, like 800 managers, and they didn't pay a dollar out of their company's revenue. It was all sponsored by vendors that wanted to be a part of that. So, and I'm back in my old Don't don't get any ideas, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Let's get on the PJ. That's really cool. That's so, really cool. um, you know, honestly, like for us, I mean, we probably have vendors that are definitely willing to spend a thousand or two thousand dollars to come be a part of that Christmas party. It only takes, you know, seven of those that are willing to do that to, to, to put on the whole thing. And they have budgets for that. They have marketing budgets. And if they're guaranteed to get your business because they're doing it or win more business because they're hanging out with your employees, they're going to want to do that. Um, you know, we used to do it at my in my JRK days when I worked for a larger property management company. We'd have like a thousand dollar budget to throw a Christmas party for 50 people and you can't do it. So we raised all the funds from the, you know, the carpet installation companies that we use and the painting company that we literally gave $50,000 to that year. Um, they're willing to spend money to, to, to try and earn your business. Just like you would, just like I do. I send brokers gifts and real estate agents gifts because I want to, I want to earn their business. I want to create that relationship and they'll do the same thing to hang out with you. Laura, we're making a note. We're calling Salesforce after this and telling them to sponsor sponsor our next Second Nature event. And they can um, afford anything. They can they can afford it. That's exactly right. Um, well, hey, Mike, here's the the last couple of rapid fire ones here. Um, you know, one I had down here was favorite Second Nature moment in years. I thought this would be a fun one to ask you since we've known you for a long time. What do you so got? There's a, ton, there's a ton of good ones, but. And I'll try to keep it brief, but I was in Phoenix for National NARPM. Um, and that was the first time they did the PM Health 5K. Um, and I was talking to Thad, and, and Thad's like, I'm kind of injured. I want to run the race, but I'm kind of injured, which 
fast forward, he actually came in third, I think, um, even though he was injured. But I was like, how'd you get injured, man? He's like, well, I was in the shower this morning and I was doing my high kicks and I fell and hurt myself. And I was like, you were doing your high kicks. He's like, yeah, I was doing my high kicks. And he kicks his foot like up above his head. And I'm like, who does high kicks, period? And who does them in the shower other than Thad Tarkenton? I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, that is a good one. That's hilarious. That's amazing. Well, hey, we're coming up on time. I want to give, <laughs> Carol remembers that. We we remember the story of Thad doing karate kicks uh, in the shower. We're like, is that, is that a real thing? Eccentric CEO. It's amazing. <laughs> Oh, Mike, thanks for sharing that, man. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. We'll catch you guys next week. Take care, everybody. That's all for today's Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your life with us. We do not take it for granted. I also want to give a shout out to Carol Housel for everything she and our team does to make these possible. It's crazy to think about over 5,000 professional property managers have pressed play on episodes in season one and season two now. And we really want to encourage you to keep giving feedback because more and more people are listening. It's getting better and better and better thanks to everything that you're sharing with us. If you like this enough to listen, want to encourage you to share it with other people. Um, you can give us feedback directly on those social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're hanging out. You can also send us an email at triplewin at secondnature.com. And we just want to give more. We're, we're, there's no sales pitch here. Just want to offer more resources that help you find and stack your next triple win and become a triple win driven property manager. So where can you find that? You can find the private Facebook group. You can find our blog. You can find our newsletter. You can find more resources all at rbp.secondnature.com. Just search for what you're looking for there. And every time we see you, we want to see a better version of you and your business to that end. Keep it going, feel inspired, take our encouragement, and we'll see you next time.